You're listening to the TV Sports Radio Show. Welcome to another week of the TV Sports Radio Show. Back at it again with the Dylan and Dylan duo for another week of the podcast. Dylan, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Uh, I actually couldn't be doing better. Uh, we're in this week of the year, the NFL Draft Week. It's just, I don't think it can be beat. The only week that might be up there with it might be like the week of Christmas or that week in between where it's Christmas and New Year's. But it's just this week as a sports fan, I, I just don't know that to be um, – I absolutely love it. Woke up yesterday like it was Christmas morning. Um, how are you doing? Doing great as well. I, obviously very excited and a little tired from covering the NFL draft into the late hours last night, but expi- excited to be a part of the podcast today so we can you can uh, we can give our perspectives to you guys. Quick breakdown before we get going. We both covered the NFL draft from different perspectives last night. Dylan had the AFC while I covered the NFC. So we will break down our thoughts on each side of the draft uh, before covering this week in sports and discussing some umpires in baseball and some games coming up this weekend. But to start, the breaking news that made waves yesterday is Adam Schefter reported hours before the draft started that reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers is disgruntled in Green Bay and has told people within the organization that he would not be open to returning, basically. Dylan, let's just start off. Let me get your instant reaction to when you saw the news that Rodgers was maybe done in Green Bay. I was shocked because, I mean, We've seen like the rumors of, oh, Rogers, he might want out. He might want out. When they came out and said, yeah, he's probably done. Mark Schlereth at one point said a trade was done last night, which didn't come to fruition. Um, it's exciting um, because he's been the guy in the NFL for a while. It's been him and Brady um, that just for so long, they've been at the top of their game. Um, I think it's really, really exciting. It's, uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens because he. it seems like he wants out. And, I mean, we'll talk about it in a little bit with what they did in the draft. That seems like it might have <laughs> made him maybe even angrier. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. There's a couple of teams that make really good fits for him with exciting teams that I could fully understand why Aaron Rodgers would want to move there for the twilight of his career. Uh, but, yeah, what were, what were your reactions when you first heard? Yeah, I was just as shocked. Uh, you know, I, I was like uh, a lot like uh, Scott Van Pelt last night. I saw him on SportsCenter and he said, you know, I've heard the rumors. I've heard it's getting bad, but you just don't believe it. You know, he's the reigning MVP. It's the Green Bay Packers. You assume they will get something done uh, and fix that thing out. But I think this all starts last year when they drafted Jordan Love. Uh, he was obviously un- unhappy with that and... 
they're going to be kicking themselves for a long time, regardless of how this plays out. Uh, if he does end up leaving in the trade or holding out uh, during the off season, or if he ends up coming back, uh, they're going to regret making that draft pick just because this is, this is the result. And it's going to be tough to get Aaron Rodgers back into a good headspace to lead your team. If you get him back or if you don't, uh, yeah, I think the most striking thing as the night played out and as the draft played out, no trade was made. And uh, you basically got to see both camps go in opposite directions. The Green Bay Packers are saying we have no intent of trading Aaron Rodgers and we have all the intent of bringing him back and making him happy and being the leader of the team. While, you know, we haven't heard directly from Aaron Rodgers, but with all the reports, it seems like he is all the way in the opposite direction, not just requesting a trade, but requesting specific teams to be traded to. I saw the 49ers, the Broncos, and the Raiders were on his list. Uh, do any of those teams stick out to you uh, in terms of a good landing place for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, I'd really like to see Aaron Rodgers end up in Denver. That team has such a nice, young offensive core. And that division, the AFC West, is so good. Already having Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, having the that young group in L.A. with the Chargers and seeing what they're going to be doing in the coming years. And then the Raiders are super solid. They've got a young offensive core. Derek Carr's a really solid quarterback. If you add Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos core that has Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant, and that core of running backs, that could be a dangerous team. Plus, we know what Denver does on defense. They play great defense. That's what they've done. Uh, for almost a decade now. That's it's just what they do. It seems like it would be a perfect fit. Um, the 49ers would also be interesting. Um, and based off what they did last night, it could make things even more interesting. Um, it could be a pretty crowded QB room in San Francisco. Um, I've also heard another AFC West team rumored, the Raiders. And I, I think that's really interesting because, I mean, they've got Derek Carr. And Derek Carr just has these good seasons over and over. I'm like, well, are the Raiders going to move on? What's going to happen? And, I mean, if it's Aaron Rodgers, it's hard to say, no, we're, we're going to keep Carr instead of Rodgers. But I, I just think that's interesting to see how um, he's getting talked about in these teams that are in the AFC West, and they know they have to keep up and score points. And these teams are trying to find upgrades and get competitive with the uh, Chiefs. Uh, do you have a team in mind that you think would be a great fit for him? Yeah, I, I agree with you in terms of the fit. Uh, Denver is probably the best fit. Uh, it would give him a win now opportunity with the young offense. Uh, the playmakers they have at wide receiver mixed with that defense would be great. Uh, but I do think the other two teams probably are the best fit in terms of a trade scenario, just because they have a quarterback that they could you know, potentially give back to the, the Packers. So the Raiders could give Derek Carr back. He's a young quarterback, has been proven in the league, can be a starter. Uh, I, obviously, as a Packers fan, you don't want to give up Aaron Rodgers at all. But if you're going to have to do that uh, to get someone back who's, you know, relatively younger than Aaron Rodgers and still has maybe his best football ahead of him, uh, that could work out. And that would be an interesting trade uh, dynamic if he could get, in uh, Las Vegas and the 49ers uh, you know, it seems like with drafting Trey Lance, they're not going to do, they weren't going to do the trade with Aaron Rodgers. That third pick was a uh, part of the trade offer that they uh, initially offered for Aaron Rodgers. But 
We also know that it sounds like Trey Lance will not be thrown in as day one as a day one starter, regardless. Uh, it sounds like Jimmy Garoppolo will be the day one starter. If you're looking for a win now situation in San Francisco, which I can't believe that they would be, but if you are, if you want to sit Trey Lance behind Aaron Rodgers for three or four years, I couldn't imagine a better mentor for that kid who only had 16 starts in college to to sit behind the NFL MVP and watch him win some games for, you know, three or four years. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers had the same exact situation with Brett Favre in front of him when he got drafted in Green Bay. And we, we have seen how that turned out. So I actually think both of those teams in terms of a trade could actually work out better. Uh, but And I agree with Aaron Rodgers because it sounds like Denver is his preferred pick as of right now. Uh, if if you're going to win a Super Bowl next year, Denver would be the place to go uh, for sure in that, uh, in that scenario. Yeah, um, I think it was – I think it was Mark Schlereth, like I was talking about earlier. I mean, he put out a report. It was about an hour before the draft last night that he said Denver and Green Bay had, like, come to a deal and that he was going to be traded to Denver and – I, I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, why wouldn't they? I mean, I, I guess that deal, which it never, nothing was leaked, uh, but I imagine it had to do with the ninth pick and probably Locke as well as many other future picks from Denver uh, to get Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, if, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to be thinking, I want to go somewhere that has a lot of weapons that's going to be willing to let me do my thing. And you got to imagine they'd let him air it out in uh, Denver and let him get uh, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and Noah Fant in the end zone quite a bit. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh, from now until probably the preseason or beyond. The The saga will be interesting as we go through the summer and the offseason. Yeah, we'll definitely have to be tuned in to what happens there. I remember in the draft, you had the Broncos, and you said, I don't think the Broncos are sold on Drew Locke. They could, I think they'll use a pick on a quarterback here now. I mean – you don't have to use that nine pick on a quarterback. You could go get a cornerback and set up your team to go make that trade to go get Aaron Rodgers. That's a, a big swing from just a couple of days ago when we were discussing the Denver Broncos and their future. So as we transition now from the Aaron Rodgers news into the NFL draft, we both had our interesting perspectives. My team, the Denver or the Detroit lions on the NFC side your team, the Tennessee Titans, and on the AFC side. Uh, just give me your quick breakdown. How did your team do? And then how about the rest of the AFC in general? So I was um, I was kind of caught off guard with the Titans pick. Um, they picked Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, which is a name I'd heard. And it's kind of a name that I didn't expect the Titans to get because I'd kind of seen him up higher in mock drafts and draft boards. He's, he's an elite talent. He's just had injury problems last couple years uh, and opted out of the last season uh, because of everything going on in the world. Um, I didn't expect him to fall to the Titans, but he did. It turns out that the Titans were just in his ear throughout the whole process, telling him how much they liked him, how much, how excited they were, if he was going to be able to fall to them at 22. And he did. And um, it was, he was kind of known. I kind of focused on watching receivers because I thought that's how the Titans were going to go. Like I said earlier this week, um, I was kind of expecting to go Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, reunite A.G. Brown and Elijah Moore. But um, last night, I was as I was writing about the AFC side of the draft, I was kind of watching Caleb Farley highlights on YouTube. 
and I was blown away. I was like, this dude is a stud. As long as he can get healthy, and the Titans doctors have all said, this guy, he's fine. They feel comfortable with getting him in. The Titans have done this in uh, recent drafts. Jeffrey Simmons came in with uh, uh, injury questions, and the Titans were like, no, nah, we're good. He's Our, our doctors looked at him. We're going to get him in here. We're, we're going to get him straight, and he's turned into being a defensive monster in Nashville. So hopefully they can do the same thing with Farley, and he can lead this secondary for 10 years and win multiple Super Bowls in Nashville. That's 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 the goal. Um, as far as the AFC as a whole, um, they had a lot of top picks in this draft. The top two were both AFC teams. The Jaguars, uh, an AFC South enemy of mine, uh, they – they went and got the best player in this draft. They got Trevor Lawrence. It's what we, we've expected since Trevor Lawrence was in seventh grade. He he was the guy. He was always going to be the guy. Urban Meyer got his quarterback. Um, I don't think anyone was shocked when the Jag, when Roger Goodell walked out and he said the Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence. It was, it was the pick that was going to happen. They also were able to snag Trevor Lawrence's teammate, Travis Etienne, later in the first round, which I did not expect. Because of the big year James Robinson had last year in Jacksonville, I didn't expect them to draft a running back in the first round, but it makes so much sense. With the chemistry those two have being three-year starters at Clemson and winning so many games together, it just makes all the sense in the world to pair them back up in Jacksonville and just try to run it back and bring the Jacksonville Jaguars to just greater success. Um the second AFC team that made a huge splash was the Jets. They think they got their guy. They traded Darnold not too long ago to Carolina. They they showed that they're ready to move on. They they have a new coaching staff. They're like, we're gonna wish Darnold the best and hopefully he does succeed in Carolina. But they 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 think they got their guy with Zach Wilson out of BYU. And it it'll be I mean, it's the Jets. It, it'll be a tough road ahead for him. But I think it'll be really interesting. So I think the Jets, they've got a good set of minds in their uh in their franchise now with Robert Solly is coming from the 49ers who they've just been winning they had a tough season last year because of injuries but they win uh and that great defense he uh made in San Francisco it'll be interesting to see how a defensive minded coach deals with Zach Wilson who's so offensive oriented um but I think it'll be really fun to watch he's a fun player to watch I uh I remember when he was at BYU he played against Tennessee his sophomore year and I knew nothing about him. He was just a sophomore from BYU playing against Tennessee. And he caught my eye. He's one, one of these quarterbacks with moxie. And that's what I remember just saying in my head. I was like, this guy's got moxie. And uh, he's just a guy that's fun to watch. And I think it'll be fun to see him grow in New York and hopefully become the franchise guy. Um, so I think that – and the Jets also, they were able to grab Elijah Verge Tuck, Ver, Vera Tucker uh, out of USC – in the first round, add a little protection for um, Zach Wilson to add uh, to Makai Becton, who they snagged last year in the first round. Um, they were both – the Jaguars and the Jets made huge strides in this first round, I think. They had a great uh, great young talent. Um, the Broncos were another huge story, I think, in the first round in the AFC because, like we were saying, the trade talks with Rodgers. Uh, and then they got to nine, and Justin Fields was still available. And it's like, well, you're having these talks with Rodgers, but you've got Justin Fields right here. What do you do? Mac Jones is available too. And I remember watching the draft, and I was watching it with my good friend who's a Broncos fan. We're sitting there on the phone. I was like, what are they going to do? Uh, and the, it just 
goes down and down. He's like, we're going to pick fields. It's We're going to happen. We're going to move on from Rodgers. It is what it is. And then the certain pick came up, and I was like, I love it. This is just the Denver Broncos. They decided we're going to stick to what we know. We're going defense, and hopefully the Rodgers things work, works out for them, which Justin Fields the best, and they're they're going certain. It, it's, it just makes sense. And I, I feel like that's the way a lot of this draft went, is you see these players, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. He's a Bronco. And then you got a guy like Mac Jones. It felt like the whole time Mac Jones was a New England Patriot. Like I saw people joking. Mac Jones, it feels like he's been a Patriot for 15 years. And that's so true. It just he seems like he's been in that building for so long. He just seems like a Patriot. Um, another winner just right off the top of my head was the Steelers. They um throughout this whole process, everyone knew they needed a running back, and everyone knew the top running back in this draft was Najee Harris. And the Steelers sat there at 25 and he fell right to 25. They got him, they picked him, they got I think they've got their guy. I I've been watching Najee since he was in high school and I dreaded him going to Alabama because I knew Tennessee would have to play him. And he went to Alabama and dominated. And I'm happy. I get to actually be happy when I see him score touchdowns now instead of dreading it. Um, I think he's going to be awesome in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has another weapon to that awesome offense. Big Ben gets a little help. Um, One of the surprises for me, which it shouldn't have been, was uh, Cincinnati, which all the all the point all the signs pointed to them picking Jamar Chase. It, everything did, but I was fully convinced they'd go Penesuel, and um, it makes sense picking Jamar because I mean that's Joe Burrow's boy. They they were awesome at LSU together. They were a deadly duo, and they're just gonna hopefully bring that right into the NFL. And I think it'll be really interesting. It's interesting to see what they can do in Cincinnati because um, there's so many other weapons on the field there. They've got Tyler Boyd, T Higgins. Then they added uh, Thaddeus Moss just a few weeks ago. So uh, they're trying to recreate that LSU magic and uh, that'll be fun to see. But yeah, I I really thought they were going to go with who your team picked, uh, Panay Suel. What did you think about that pick? Yeah, the the Lions definitely, uh, like I said, my article that will come out later, uh, the Lions really couldn't miss at the seventh pick because they had so many needs and it was really going to be based on how the rest of the draft went. Uh, three quarterbacks immediately. Then, you know, Kyle Pitts goes, the top two wide receivers go and Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle. Uh, and I was in the same boat. I was weirdly surprised by the Jamar Chase pick. And then I was like, and then it immediately clicked. I was like, Oh, it's Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase again. That's going to be an unstoppable duo. Uh, but then the Lions, Panay Suel fell to them. He grew up a Lions fan, and he was the top tackle in the draft. Uh, scouts were a little low on the tackles in this year's draft, but uh, again, like I said, the Lions couldn't miss. They had so many holes. They needed basically anything. So if you took the top guy at any position, uh, you were going to hit a home run. So uh, I'm fine with it. They're not going to be, you know, competitive anytime soon so we don't need to go draft a, a top elite playmaker right now so it was I would say the Lions did just what they needed to do they really couldn't miss and they didn't uh for the rest of the NFC I think the biggest news from the NFC was the Eagles and the Cowboys doing an interdivision trade unheard of for the NFL draft and in the NFL in general but the Eagles and Dallas uh swap picks uh, well, Philly got their pick through San Francisco and Miami, but they swap picks and Philly moves up to take Devonte Smith out of Alabama. 
Uh, interesting pick, interesting move to trade up to get Devontae Smith. I thought maybe uh, trading up, they were trying to get back into the defensive player battle, but J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain both went right before that. But Devontae Smith, obviously Heisman winner, uh, all-around amazing athlete. Questions about his size, but definitely the most explosive wide receiver in this draft. Uh, so interesting that Philly and Dallas were able to swap picks. Dallas moved back to 12 to get Micah Parsons, probably the biggest freak on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Pitts is probably the biggest overall freak, but in terms of, you know, he ran a four, three, nine 40 and, uh, was just unbelievable, uh, at Penn state in that one year starter that he played. Uh, again, there's some, there's some questions about, his uh, ability to develop as quickly because he hasn't, he didn't play last year. He opted out uh, of the season last year, but they're hoping he can be uh, an instant starter in Dallas, uh, especially because they missed out on certain and uh, on horn as well. They were looking to get one of those defensive backs at that 10 spot when they went at eight and nine. Uh, that was basically it. Uh, the Falcons and the 49ers, I don't want to miss out on the other top 10 teams uh, that went from the NFC. The, the 49ers got Trey Lance, their quarterback of the future, basically taking them out of the Rodgers uh, sweepstakes. But we will see, as I said, they might actually help them in their trade talks, but we'll see. And then Kyle Pitts, the first non-quarterback coming off the board to the Atlanta Falcons. And I made the point uh, that the Atlanta Falcons did basically the opposite of what the Green Bay Packers did last year. Uh, Matt Ryan is getting up in age. People are saying, hey, they might take the, his replacement here at four. They say, no, we're going to give him the best target in, available in the draft and make sure that the offense can run with Matt Ryan. Uh, completely different uh, mindset from the Green Bay Packers of last year. So, And we will see how that turns out. Obviously, Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers are much different quarterbacks, but – uh, different to see how the organizations treat their, their quarterbacks, especially the ones that have been successful in the past. Uh, I thought the most interesting pick was probably the New York Giants uh, moving back and then taking Kadarius Toney out of uh, Florida. He was a, maybe a fringe late first round pick, early second round pick, but they ended up taking him off the board before Rashad Bateman came off the board from Minnesota uh, interesting choice to give uh, Daniel Jones that he's a he's a Swiss Army knife in terms of what he can do on offense. He's so fast. He was the best wide receiver for uh, Kyle Trask at Florida, but could also return kicks and punts and could, you know, kind of play that Percy Harvin role of uh, not really just being a, a, just a wide receiver or just a running back, but both and can play at basically any position in the wide receiver uh at the outside spots or the slot. So he's an interesting pick for sure. I didn't really understand taking him that high. I think you could have probably gotten him a little bit later, but you know, when you're sold on a guy, uh, I'm always uh, an advocate of taking the guy that you're sold on. So the giants did that as they exchanged with the bears. And then I think probably the best late round pick uh, later in the first round was Christian Darisau for the Vikings at 23. He fell all the way to 23. He was uh, maybe the second best offensive tackle in some. It was him and Rashawn Slater at number two and number three, uh, except the Raiders 
took Leatherwood at 17. So Darisol falls all the way to 23. Uh, I think that's a great pickup for the value of that pick at 23. Falls back. He's probably the best athlete of all the offensive tackles. Uh, it's more of just an effort thing with him. Can he really do the things that make uh, an offensive tackle great at the next level? He's got all the physical traits, just needs to put it all together. Uh, but they could get an instant starter at either tackle spot in Darisaw, whichever whichever spot they are considering him in, in the future. Uh, so I thought that was a very interesting pick. Uh, just quickly, give me your winners and losers from the AFC side of the draft. So uh, a winner would definitely be, which I, I forgot to mention them, the Miami Dolphins. I absolutely loved what they did. Um, with that six pick, they grabbed Jalen Waddle to repair him up with Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, they were great teammates at Alabama. Waddle was hurt last year, unfortunately, but the Dolphins said, we don't care. We saw what we saw. We know he's a great player. We're getting into Miami. We're going to get him in the teal and white and orange, and we're going to have him put up points with Tua. And I absolutely love I see. I love seeing these uh, ex-college teammates being paired back up in the NFL. I think it's really cool. Um, and then they grabbed Jalen Phillips, the defensive end from Miami, with their second pick in the first round. And he's a guy that, if you just look at him, you can tell he looks like an elite edge in the NFL. And I'm really excited to see what he can do with that Miami defense. Brian Flores has done such a good job with it. And he's a guy that he's got the five-star player look. He, he's got all that. If he can take that add elite rush moves, that's a guy that could be a double-digit sack guy every year, and that would be incredible for the foundation of the Miami Dolphins for years to come. Um, I think the Jets are definitely winners. I think the Jaguars are definitely winners. It's hard not to be winners when they have the top two picks. And then what they did with the other picks were, were was also amazing. Um, I don't know that there were any, any real losers. As I was going over it, I was like, these picks are good. I really like these picks. Um, the Raiders picking Alex Leatherwood was kind of a head scratcher, but it's hard to kind of, it's hard to call it a, a, them a loser pick because you look at what they did last year and they reached on some guys and it worked out. So I, it's John Gruden uh, showing us that he knows what he's talking about. And, uh, and so I think it'll be interesting to see. And they, the Alabama guys they've picked, uh, look at Henry Ruggs and it works out. So um, I like, I, I like what they're doing in Vegas. I think it'll be really interesting because uh, I don't think many people at all expected Alex Leatherwood to go that high. Um, another pick I really loved was uh, Gregory Rousseau to Buffalo. Because when they first announced it, I was like, that's kind of a head scratch. Like, what are, what are they doing? I, I expected kind of maybe a skills player. But they explained that like their, their uh, pass rushers are getting a little old, like Jerry Hughes is getting up there in age. Gregory Rousseau can get up there and learn from these older pass rushers. They, they, they're setting up a nice young foundation for their defense. Uh, that's, a, that's a team that they're just getting better. Because I, I think Rousseau might have uh, might have slipped down draft boards for some reason. I don't know. We, we've talked about it. Uh, the edge rushers in this draft weren't, uh, weren't valued as high as maybe some other drafts. So we've, we saw guys kind of slip. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, – I think there are a lot of winners in, on the AFC side anyways. Uh, the, the Raiders are maybe the only one you can maybe put in that losers category because maybe they could have waited to get him. But if you're sold on the guy, you got to take him. And I think 
I think they decided they're sold on Leatherwood. We're taking him because uh, they had lost quite, I think, two linemen this offseason, maybe three. So, I mean, they, they had to add uh, a lineman to protect Carr or maybe who knows Aaron Rodgers next season. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how Leatherwood pans out. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the only one that I'm like, huh, that'll be – that's the – I don't know. But, yeah, what do you think about the NFC side? Who are the winners and losers? All right, yeah, so definitely agree with all that stuff. Uh, Leatherwood was definitely the biggest head-scratcher from the AFC side of things. I There were a lot of winners from the NFC side, but the biggest winner, I ignored this team in the in my first recap, the Chicago Bears – trading up from 20, getting Justin Fields at 11. Uh, in my perspective, I think a lot of people's perspective from within this company now is he was the number two quarterback, and we're, we're kind of surprised to see how far he fell in terms of the quarterback rankings. Uh, and the Bears needed their quarterback, and there was little to no shot coming into the night that they were going to get him at 20. So there was, and there was little to no shot they were going to be able to trade up as high as they were able to do and then still get one of the top guys. And for me, uh, if you were able to trade up nine spots, get possibly the second best quarterback who may be the best quarterback in a non, you know, quarterback heavy draft, I think you hit a home run with that pick. The Bears did a great job of being able to secure their guy for the future and replace Mitch Trubisky and really make up for that Mitch Trubisky pick a few years ago when they really took a a bad spot in that. Uh, I did want to say while you were saying that, I did realize the University of Miami is like a small winner tonight as they got both their edge rushers drafted in the first round. I mean, that's a a night for a draft that's like short on edge edge rushers to be able to say, hey, we had both of our guys get drafted first round. Uh, that's a that's a win in my book for a team that hasn't been uh, producing a ton of number one or first round draft picks in the recent years. If I could say one loser uh, again, I don't want to say a loser because I think all the picks really did fit for the team. Uh, but if I would say like a reach for this team, I think the Saints taking Peyton Turner at twenty eight defensive end out of Houston. I, I think it's a good value pick, and, but he was not. I went back on mock drafts after the draft and he wasn't even listed most second round drafts. He wasn't listed there. So I think you could have waited on taking him. I think he's a special player and could grow into a really nice edge rusher, uh, but has some work to do. And I don't know if at 28, he was necessarily the the best value for, for the saints, but again, it still fits. I think the, the saints could use another edge rusher down the road. Um, but, you know, they have bigger needs maybe on the offensive side of the ball with, to get Jameis some help without Drew Brees there for this foreseeable future. So let's transition now. NFL draft continues today and tomorrow with the, the remainder of the, of the rounds, the second through seventh rounds continuing today. Let's get back to my first document. As we go into this week of in sports, little recap of what happened this week. I was covering a Brewers game. It was the Brewers-Marlins game three. Runners were on first and third with uh, Zach Godley pitching. And there's a little dribbler back to the mound. And Godley can't get the runner at home, so he just tosses it over to first base. And then all of a sudden, they call the runner safe at first base. He was out by at least 
at least 10 feet. You know, he was, it took him, he started jogging before he even got to first base and they called him safe and no, no one could really understand what happened. And then the replay goes by and as Godley had flipped the ball to the first baseman, his momentum took him still in the grass, but took him to where the runner was running, who was in on the grass part of the infield. And first base umpire Marty Foster called interference on Zach Godley, called the runner safe, cost the Brewers an out. Two wild pitches from Godley later, the runner on second scores, basically puts the Brewers all in a funk. They Their bench coach would get ejected later in the game after arguing with Marty Foster. It, it, it was the... I'm a baseball purist at my, at my heart. I love baseball and I want the, the old parts of the game to stay as much as possible. I could not. No, one sec. One sec. My dog's trying to play with a water bottle right now and that's not about to happen, but I was completely flipped uh, on the argument of robot umpires in an instant. I was like, there is no way that we can have human beings umping these games if we're going to make boneheaded calls like that and we can't review it. There's been an expansive uh, overhaul to the MLB replay system, and it seems like every time these blatant, awful calls are made, there's some rule that we can't review it and change it. I I, got to know your thoughts on what the robot umpires and and the future of umpires in baseball is going to look like, because I I feel like as the scrutiny has gotten higher and higher, they've gotten worse and worse at making these very easy calls. So like you, I'm, I find myself being a baseball purist. I grew up in a very small area. The only sport we had in our town was baseball because it's a cheap sport it doesn't cost much to put it on. So I've been playing baseball basically my whole life. Grew up every day in the summer, turn on the radio, listen to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, from the time I was four years old, old enough to know how to work a radio. So I mean, I've been watching baseball my whole life. Absolutely love it. And uh, this has been a conversation for most of our lives. Uh, is this something that we need to move towards having AI umpires? And it's something that when you first hear it, you, you want to reject it because you're like, that's, that's not baseball. That's not how it works. Like, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. But I think it might be, it might be something that we have to go to, like you said, because the, the, the margin of error kind of gets ridiculous. And baseball is a sport that's so heavily dictated on kind of what the umpires do because I mean you only get three outs per inning and that can one out can kill a whole lot of momentum and it can be a difference in a ball game and and it even goes beyond like a close play at the bag between a runner and a throw Uh, it goes to balls and strikes I mean that's such an important part of the game and it's different every night and that's that's something that can be brought into and, but I think on the other side, something that makes it great is human error. And you never know. And it's, it's just part of the game. It's been that way for a hundred over 100 years now. And I think I, – I honestly don't know. It's, it's a tough thing. Like, Because if you change it, there would be a whole lot of people upset. 
because this is how it's been. They a lot of people don't want to accept change because it probably would be the best thing to do. We'd probably get the best game. There'd be less mistakes. Games would probably be quicker because baseball's had an issue with that where games take forever. Um, there'd probably be less reviews. They have, we've been expanding reviews over the years. Probably have to have less reviews. Um, it'd probably make a much cleaner game. But is that the best thing? Does that take away from the pureness of baseball and the history of baseball and just everything about it? I don't know. I think I think this is an argument that could also be made for other sports as well, as we've seen the NFL. I, I always remember the replacement refs uh, from uh, years back and how big of a deal that was when the refs uh, kind of walked out. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's the human nature of it is makes it really interesting to me. And I, I think that's a big aspect that um, would be taken out of it. And I think that would really, it would change the game in a way. I think some people wouldn't realize if we moved to AI umpires. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, I'm also biased as I played baseball. That was my sport growing up as well. So, you know, you have that personal connection to it. And as a player, uh, I think you more understand what the human error does for the game. It's not, I don't think as random as it seems to the spectator where as a player, you can kind of get used to the umpire's tendencies and stuff and then sort of play off of it. If you're a pitcher and you understand the strike zone, you can work the outer bounds of the corners and, and actually uh, use it to your advantage. And I think uh, for people that have grown up with it, who have played it, coached it, watched it their whole lives, that's what you're going to, I think we expect that we're going to miss, you know, those, those types of things where really the better team is actually, that's part of their game is they know how to work the umpires just as well as they know how to hit the ball. So that's part of the game that you would miss. But I think as I've, you know, switched to more of a spectator uh, of baseball and watched more professional baseball, I just want consistency. And the part of it is that really frustrates you, especially with like balls and strikes is, you know, since we've been watching baseball, they've had that little, strike zone outline on every TV station. Uh, And it's just like, you know, when you see a ball that goes outside of that strike zone and get called a strike or vice versa, you go, well, if we can see it here, if we have the technology to see it at our homes, why can't we use that to make the game better and make it more consistent and let these hitters actually know what they're swinging at? So, yeah, I think it's a, you know, in one hand, as a baseball purist, I would love it to stay the same and, and figure out a way to just make the umpires better. On the other hand, it doesn't seem like the umpires are getting any better. If anything, they're getting worse. So we need to figure out a way to make the game yeah, more fun to watch, uh, which would be a more cleaner game. We're not worrying about arguments or strikes and balls. We're just worried about you know, what's going on in the baseball game, who is pitching better, who's hitting better, who's actually making the plays. So I I actually think that play flipped me because I I couldn't, if you have a second, go watch it after this, because it was like the most, I was watching without volume at first. And it was like, what's going on? How did he just get called safe? He was like halfway to the first base. Uh, And then, and then he, he the same umpire blew a call later on a on a missed bunt. Uh, said he pulled back when he clearly didn't. So it was just one of those games where you go, all right, I can't. I 
umpire should be able to be thrown out as well because like, it's like if you if you can if you can blow two calls in a row as bad as they were you should uh, there should be like a replacement umpire ready to go say hey uh we need we need some help over here uh, create a create an umpire bullpen yeah, <laughs> yeah we need a reliever here all right so wrapping up this week in sports that was this week as we look forward to the weekend. Tonight, we've got a big NBA matchup. Tomorrow, a big NBA matchup. Tonight, it's the top two seeds in the West with the Suns and the Jazz facing off in Phoenix. And then tomorrow, the three and four seeds in the West are going to go at it in L.A. with the Clippers and Nuggets squaring off. So big NBA playoff implications coming up in the next couple of days. Uh, Dylan, you have any thoughts on those games or anything else before we wrap up here? Well, I just wanted to add – um, Adrian Wojnarowski just announced that LeBron will probably be coming back either tonight or Sunday. Um, it appears that he's going to be, uh, they're going to test his ankle tonight. Uh, he's listed, he's still listed as out tonight for the, against the Kings. They're thinking he's going to be up to, upgraded to questionable, um, and kind of might go through warm ups, see what happens, but he could come back as soon as Sunday versus Toronto. So that's exciting. Uh, not only for Laker fans, but the entire NBA. I mean, it's LeBron. Uh, it's the longest he's been out in his career. And uh, hopefully we'll get to see King James back soon, maybe even tonight. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Add that to the docket as well. The, uh, watch out for more Woj bombs coming up about LeBron because uh, definitely want to tune in and see if he's going to be back, see if the Lakers are on their way to repeating as champions. But All right, uh, we will wrap it up there. Thank you, Dylan, for another great week. I had fun discussing everything this week, and uh, good luck to your Titans in the draft tonight as well as you guys move forward. Yeah, as to you with the Lions. Hopefully they continue to make great picks. Thank you, thank you. We can hope. We can hope. Oh, yeah. Uh, As always, you can check us out on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at underscore TV sports, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports, and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. This has been the TV Sports Radio Show signing off. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you all next week.